How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And today, we're going to kind of switch things up a little bit, and uh, we're going to be talking about false teachers, false prophets, deceitful workers, damnable heretics, as the Bible calls them. And we're going to see what does the Bible state about some of these things. Now, there's a lot of differing opinions and views and feelings and interpretations regarding all of this. Um, you, you got uh, the, the general overall banner works-based individuals, works-based salvationists, works-based religions, and then you got cults and sects and all kinds of... So, but what does the Bible say? It says there's uh, there's uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as it says, and another gospel, which is not another because there's only one true gospel of one true Lord Jesus. There's another gospel. We take a look, for example, in... Uh, Galatians. Let's take your Bibles. We're diving right into it. I said to, you, said to you in the comments, bring your Bibles. We're going to be getting busy here. Take a look at Galatians chapter 1 verses uh, 8 to 9. Galatians 1 8 to 9. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That's anathema maranatha, meaning an official consigning to damnation. That's what God thinks of it. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Now, with that, though, we have to take a look. What does it mean, another gospel? Because you see many different other belief systems that say Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, he was buried, rose again. They say Jesus is Lord and say, well, that's not another gospel. Okay, well, what would define another gospel? By taking... The specifics, now we went over this yesterday in great, great detail. The gospel of salvation according to scripture. We went to great, great detail in that. Um, now, that's the details of, of salvation, of, of the person of Jesus Christ and what saves you and save from what. We went in great detail about what is the gospel of salvation according to scripture. Another gospel would, would be taking that, what the Bible says, and changing any of the details, any of the specifics, any of the things making that up. Uh, from the person of Jesus Christ, to what happened on the cross, to the re changing the resurrection, changing the burial, changing the blood, the, the blood changing uh, uh, the, the grace, changing faith, cha changing any aspect of this. Any of the aspects that are salvationary, changing them in any way, shape, or form would then be creating another gospel, which is a curse of God. Therefore, 
as we see in Revelation 22, where it sa says that the curse of God is upon anybody who adds or subtracts from the scriptures, even so much the more upon anybody who would change any of the specifics, any of the details of the gospel of salvation. We're going to be taking a look at some of these. And I know some people have gone right off the deep end attacking me whenever I talk about some of these things. I have had death threats. I have had all kinds of curses and vulgarities and threatenings hurled at me. Um, I Yes, like I said, I've received many death threats from people for talking about some of this stuff. I've been called every name un under the sun. I've been called the Antichrist. I've been called the false prophet. I've been called a false prophet. I've been called a demon, a devil. I've been called an Anunnaki reptilian alien demon thing. I've been called everything. Now, who cares about any of that? That doesn't matter. And what I say to people in return is, okay, bring your Bible. I want you to use your Bible. Show me from the Bible without contradicting any other point of scripture. I'm going to show this to you. This might be the most amazing data picture you see in a lifetime. It shows 63,779 cross-references in the Bible. The white bars along the bottom represent each Bible chapter, Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. The lines color shows the references distance from the other. A cross-reference is a scripture that references another scripture. Had the Bible been written by one person or at one time, this would still be amazing. However, the Bible was written by 40 authors over the span of 1,500 years from three different continents, the Bible is complex, diverse, and intricate, and yet it has one unified message. God lovingly is redeeming all who believe. Now, take a look at this. This is just... A, let's see if I can get this lined up. There we go. There you go. Check, check that out. Six, over 63,000 cross-references. When you use the Bible with the Bible, only the Bible and nothing else, using only the Word of God to test and check everything. So, what I tell people is, if you disagree with me, bring your Bible. Bring your Bible. And show me from the Word of God how I'm wrong. So, I don't want to hear, well, I think, I just believe, I, I think, my opinion, my interpretation, my truth, I don't want to hear any of that. I don't want to hear commentary, catechism, creed, counsel. I don't want to hear any other book, any other source, any other person, any other feeling, any other thing. I want to hear book, chapter, verse of scripture and scripture alone. Show me how I'm wrong. Okay? Now, we're going to take a look at this. But firstly, we need to see what Jesus says. Now, take your Bible, please, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Now, I mentioned this yesterday, and I've talked about this before. People bring up uh, the passage, it says, All those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, there's only one Lord to call upon, right? And everybody who believes in Jesus will be saved, right? Wrong. What did Jesus say? Matthew 24, verses 5 and 11. But verse 5, what did Jesus say? 
Verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Like I talked about yesterday, like I've talked about many times, there are many different Jesuses, many different Christs. There are crazy, pathological, insane, rubber-roomed, I-love-me-jacketed uh, uh, individuals who believe themselves to be Jesus Christ. But this is more than that, is that there will be many, that many different Jesuses of different religions and belief systems. Like the Mormon Jesus, the Jehovah's Witness Jesus, like the Islam Jesus. There are many different Jesus. These, these Christs are not the Christ of Scripture. The Jesus of Scripture is God, manifested in the flesh, who saves by grace through faith by belief alone. If your Jesus needs your help in any way, shape, or form, even remotely, in the slightest little bit, you got to help him in any way, shape, or form. You got to do some work, righteous work, law keeping, commandment keeping, in addition to believing to be saved, then your Jesus is a false Jesus. If your Jesus is not God Almighty manifest in the flesh, your Jesus is a devil and not God. Jesus said, many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and will deceive many. And then we see in verse 11, and many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Now, what constitutes a false prophet? What constitutes a false prophet? And Jesus talks about this. Well, we go back in the Old Testament. We see when God is giving the law and telling all this and telling about the people who say, say they come in the name of the Lord, but I have not sent them and they give prophecies and it does not come to pass. They're a false prophet. So by definition, according to scripture, a false prophet is one who proclaims a truth that fails to hold water, that has no validity, no justification, doesn't come to pass is not true, cannot be verified, cannot be uh, lined up with scripture, that's a false prophet. So teaching doctrines that contradict the word of God. Someone who teaches, not just a person who says, well, I think this, and it's just their feeling or whatever, but when they're saying a thing as doctrine, theology, like Jesus says, you teach for doctrines, the traditions of men, you teach it as doctrine as absolute truth and it contradicts the word of god that's a false teaching that's a false prophet it's a false teacher it's a false teacher so how do we double check everything how can we make sure that the individuals we're listening to are lined up according to the word of god well we want to hear scripture we want to hear book chapter verse but even more than that because well like i said mormons Jehovah's Witnesses, Catholics, Seventh-day Adventists use Bible. They quote scripture. Goodness sakes, even Lucifer used scripture in Matthew chapter 4 in the temptation of the wilderness. He used Psalm 91. So how can we know if they're false teachers or not if they're even using scripture? Acts 17, 11. To be as the Bereans. You take everything that is said, come back to the word of God, Search the scriptures, plural. Remember, we took a look at this. We cross-reference the Bible with the Bible 
and make sure that everything that is being said lines up. If there's uh, any confusion, contradiction, um, mis uh, misunderstanding, it just, it just doesn't seem to work, you're getting frustrated with this, then we got a bit of a problem. Set aside what was said, and you cannot accept it as true. You have to throw it out the window. If it does not line up with the Word of God, throw it out the window. It's nonsense. You don't accept it. Now, if we go back to the very beginning of time, and we take a look at what Lucifer said, what did that that snake, that serpent, that dragon, that liar, that deceiver, that enemy of God, what did he say to Eve in the garden? Now, FYI, it was not a talking snake. <laughs> I did a video on that a little while ago. It was not a talking snake. Like so many people think, it was not a talking snake. It was Lucifer himself in the appearance uh, as the uh, angel of God, as a cherubim, the anointed cherub. He appeared in the garden as Lucifer, the anointed cherub, in that appearance, working like a snake, like the dragon, to deceive Eve. It wasn't a talking snake. Anyways, what did he tell Eve? What did he say? Those those infamous infamous words, which is the which sets the precedent for all false religions, all false gospels, all false teachers, all false Christs, for for every single other belief belief system and structure in the whole world. It set the precedent for. What did what did he say? You can be as God, knowing the difference between good and evil. You can know the difference. You can know the difference. You don't need God. You can know the difference between good and evil. You can be as God. You, you have the wisdom, the knowledge, the ability to determine truth. You can determine truth. Ooh, that kind of goes a bit more than just the religions are talking about today that kind of goes off into society's issues that are going on nowadays but we're not going down that road we're going to stay on the whole religions thing now i also need to put in a clarifier here i am not bashing people i am not hating upon people i don't hate people i am not hating on anything i'm just stating facts in this one this is all i'm doing is i'm comparing belief systems saying look this is their doctrines, their beliefs, this is what they say, this is what the Bible says. This is what they believe about Jesus, this is what the Bible says. That's all I'm doing. I'm not bashing, I'm not hating, I'm not promoting hate or any of that kind of thing. I'm not telling you, you can't go do, be, have, identify, believe whatever you want. You can go do, believe, identify whatever you want. That's your choice. I'm just saying, look, this is what the Bible says and to inform you i'm informing you what the scriptures say and what god says in the word of god and if you don't agree that's your choice that's your liberty that's your freedom you can go do have be whatever you want i don't care um i'm not saying you can't and i'm not bashing you i'm just saying look this is what it is all right good enough freedom of religion this is my beliefs and i'm comparing beliefs with other beliefs to see okay what what does everybody believe now if we continue on in this line we see in romans chapter 16 please grab your bibles and turn to romans chapter 16 and we take a look in verse 17 romans chapter 16 verse 17 
Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them. What does that mean? To make it clear and known, it's it's like painting a line or putting a sign or, or, or putting the neon flashy thing. A, a clear public warning. A clear public warning. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them have nothing to do with them for they that are such that are contrary to the doctrine that are offensive to the doctrine of the bible for they that are such serve not our lord jesus christ see what he says there they're serving a different jesus christ a different jesus someone who's come in the name of christ saying they are christ and are deceiving people see that they serve not our lord jesus christ but their own belly a jesus of their own being of their own creation but their own belly and by good words and fair speeches they may sound orthodox they may sound biblical they may sound right but and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple they're deceivers liars damnable heretics as the bible calls them then we take a look at another one here in second john see first second third john jude revelation so in second john second john verses 10 and 11 if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine the doctrine of scripture as is taught by christ taught by the apostles in scripture then he come unto you and bring not this doctrine receive him not into your house neither bid him godspeed for he that biddeth him godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds you can't even bless them you can't bless them you can't even bid them good day you have nothing to do with them a complete mark and avoid it's what the bible says people say well that's harsh that's strict i don't agree with that so you're not agreeing with what the bible says what god says you think yourself better than god you can know the difference between good and evil huh you see how easy it is to create a cult all you gotta do is go by your feelings that's all you gotta do then we go over to titus chapter three let's go over to titus chapter three titus first and second timothy titus chapter three and we want verses nine to eleven but avoid foolish questions stupid questions stupid questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law like the law keepers strivings about the law for they are unprofitable and vain a man that is an heretic whoa we just switched gears here um now the bible as we we're talking about those that are in in contradiction to the doctrines which ye have learned those that are in contradiction are what the bible calls heretics a heretic is someone who is promoting heresy heresy is that which is uh teachings doctrines theologies which are contradictory to what the bible flat out says 
So if you're preaching something that contradicts scripture, that's heresy by definition. And if you hold to that heresy, if you are holding to that heresy, it doesn't, even, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're holding to heresy, you are by definition a heretic. Okay? A man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, you've gone to them, you're trying to teach them, you're trying to tell them, and they won't listen, won't listen. A man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject. Put them out, mark, and avoid. Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. Because he has no conviction. No conviction. And he's going against the teachings of the Spirit of God. And he has no conviction about this. And he's going off in, in, uh, in wrong veins. They're in serious danger. Serious, serious danger. Now if we take a look at... 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we want verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. And doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Who's the they? The people. The people. As the Bible says, the deceiving the hearts of the simple. These are individuals who don't study. They don't apply it to themselves. They're just pew warmers. They're just religious sponges who do no, none of the work. They don't search the scriptures. They don't apply it to themselves. They, they don't seek out the knowledge of God. They just sit there and just soak in everything they're told and go and regurgitate as a religious parrot. And that's, that's all they are. And they are easily deceived because they don't search it out and study it themselves. And the time will come they will not endure sound doctrine. Because they get bored with it. They need something to excite them. They need something more. They will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, because they're longing for something else. So you can think of like the Joel Osteenites, the Kenneth Copelandites, the Joyce Meyerites. It, you see all the prosperity gospel people, the hyper charismatic people. It's all about their feelings, like the Hillsong churches, that kind of thing. They cannot endure sound doctrine, but their own lusts, as the Bible says, the lusts of the flesh are this the lust of the flesh they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth sound doctrine turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables made up stupid stories made up heresies made up teachings okay now like i said it all kind of starts with what the uh what the devil said to Eve in the Garden of Eden. Ye shall be as God, knowing the difference between good and evil. You can be as God. Now, I've thought about, okay, where can we go with this? There's so many different belief systems, so many sects and divisions and doctrines and crazy stuff out there. So I've just kind of compiled a few that are the the most common ones that I per. Uh, personally deal with um and i was figuring out okay where can i start and i thought well why not start with that with with the with the serpent in the garden now 
a few years ago, I did a video. Okay, here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> a few years ago, I did a video talking about a uh, infamous preacher named William Branham. I'll tell you, I received so much flack on that video. So many people hated on me for that one, as I exposed him as an absolute liar and a Luciferian. I proved it. And so many people came down on me. I actually had to uh, disable the uh, the ratings counter on the video because I had received so many downvotes. Uh, these people got so mad at me. They actually were going and downvoting all of my videos. Like tons of them just downvoted because they hated me so much because I called him a false prophet, uh, teacher of false doctrines, and he's a blasphemer and a heretic. And he's teaching actual Satanism as well. Uh, people uphold him as a great mighty prophet of God and, and everything else. Now, one of the... the uh, well, actually, there's two things specifically. But the, the one main thing that they were coming at me about was that was because I said that William Branham was infamous for preaching that Jesus is not God. And they came down on me like crazy. So uh, he absolutely did preach that. He did not deny that. He preached that Jesus was God. No, he didn't. No, he did not. But the sheer amount of people coming against me on that actually got me wondering, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I, I goofed up or something. Uh, maybe I looked at something wrong. And so I went and researched it and I found, nope. I was right. Now, what what William Branham did is he he actually um, there is a uh, one second. Oh, my notes didn't sync. Uh, he went and he was preaching actually on uh, it was a mi mix of dynamic monarch monarch monarchia. Monarchianism and modalistic monarchianism. Now, whenever you hear these kinds of terms and stuff, I, I hate these terms. They make up these fancy words or whatever to define these doctrines. I hate, I can't pronounce them. <laughs> I'm a country boy and I struggle to pronounce regular words. So when we take a look at this, but what he, what he preached was uh, he says that Jesus, Jesus is not God but God was in him. Jesus wasn't God, but God was in him. William Branham taught that, that the spirit of God, that Jesus was just the anointed one created by God to be used by God, but he, but he did not have God in him until the baptism of the river Jordan, where, where, you know, the dove came upon him and William Branham taught that that's when Jesus became became really the Christ and where God indwelt Jesus at the baptism in the river Jordan. No, that's blasphemy. That's heresy. That is a false doctrine. And William Branham uh, also says that the spirit of God left Jesus 
in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is not God, but the Spirit of God was in him. And the Spirit of God left him in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, when, when, G when Jesus was uh, struggling uh, and praying about, you know, what was to come. Not, not struggling, sorry, wrong words. I was thinking about his praying and sweat and all this, this, this great heaviness that was upon him. That's what I mean by that. So please don't misunderstand me. Um, is that the, the praying and the, and the heaviness on him about what is to come. If, if it is possible that this cup pass from me, no, no, nonetheless, not my will, but thine be done. And William Branham says at that point, that's when the spirit of God left him. Now, William Branham uh, says, uh, uh, said that the church has made a great mistake in making Jesus equal to God. That's the words of William Branham. Now, I took the link that has uh, this link, I'm reading off, off a webpage, of all quotes and teachings of William Branham and combining it to, and this is what Branham says, this is what the Bible says. This is what Branham says, what the Bible says. And I put that link in the videos in the description of the videos on William Branham and the Serpent Seed Theology, which we'll talk about next. Now, we talked about this in great detail yesterday, about the identity of Jesus, what Jesus says, and what the prophecies are about the child-born son given. The child, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. What does it say? The child-born, the child, the child-born son given is called the mighty god micah the prophet micah chapter 5 verse 2 who is born in bethlehem the one whose ways are of old even of everlasting the almighty god would be born in bethlehem that's what it says the body of jesus is the body of god god's own body god's own body William Branham denies the deity of Jesus. He says, Jesus is not God. That is blasphemy. That is heresy. That is a false gospel. He is a heretic. And people who believe his gospel will go to hell. That's what scripture teaches. William Branham is wrong. He's off. He's mixed up. He, and unfortunately, he died in his sins. He died believing in his false gospel. Now, William Branham was also quite a character in other ways. William Branham, when he was young, since he was seven years old, he was hearing voices. He was hearing voices and, 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 uh, uh, People, uh, creatures were talking to him and when he was older he was commissioned by an angel an angel came to him and told him uh, his doctrines told him what to what to believe what to, to what to teach and William Branham believed himself to be a prophet of the end of days and that he was commissioned by God he famously it was sorry infamously denied the deity of Jesus and preached against the deity of Jesus and he's what he's most famous for without going into great detail about him what he's most famous for is his preaching of the serpent seed theology now the serpent seed theology is extremely disgusting graphic and immoral uh, uh, 
uh, su suffice to say that his teaching is the belief that Eve had sexual relations with the snake in the Garden of Eden and created a line of serpent seed people. And uh, that, and that, uh, that was the sin. That was the great sin. Not that they ate the fruit, but that Eve had sexual relations with the serpent and that Cain was the offspring of that union. And that is why Cain killed Abel. But the Bible says in Genesis chapter three, verses one to seven, that the sin was because they ate of the forbidden tree, not because Eve had relations with the snake. And we see in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, flat out says that Cain is the son of Adam and Eve. Cain is not the offspring of, the, of Satan and Eve. So his whole doctrines, his whole teachings are completely out the window. He's a completely messed up clown. And anyone who believes in his doctrines is a heretic by definition. So... With that, we could then say William Branham is a false prophet. He's a false prophet. He's deceiving the hearts of the simple. William Branham is preaching a false Christ, claiming another Christ, and is deceiving people with a false gospel. He's dangerous, and he should be marked and avoided. Now, all we need to use is the Bible. Now, people can say whatever they want. They can argue all they want. They say, you don't know what you're talking about and all this. Okay, show me from the word of God how I'm wrong. Go and take his teachings from his videos of his sources and take a look at what he says. He flat out says multiple, multiple, multiple times. He's infamous in saying Jesus is not God, but that the spirit of God was in him. And it wasn't in him until he got baptized and the Spirit of God left him in the Garden of Eden. Not the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane, the, the Spirit of God left him. So that's William Branham, false prophet. Now you'll note something quite interesting with a lot of this, that, um, that an angel comes and tells people things. Like, for example, if we take a look at another one, Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism. What happened? An angel came to him, told him doctrines, deceived Joseph Smith into believing these doctrines, denying the deity of Jesus Christ outright, making Jesus something else other than what the Bible says. Mormon doctrines teach that Jesus and Satan are equal spirit brothers, born out of God having endless celestial sex with goddesses, and or there are certain sects within Mormonism that also teaches that Jesus is bipolar, that, that Satan is just Jesus's alter ego. Jesus has a bad side. That Jesus uh, can be the son of God, or he can be angry and evil like Satan. He is bipolar. Mormonism actually teaches that. There's a set. There's a, a certain sect of Mormonism that says that. Um, that is unbelievably grotesquely blasphemous and heretical. It's insane. Um, they deny that Jesus Christ is Almighty God. They say he's just one of the many gods of the universe, and that you can become a god too, equal to Jesus equal to Jesus that Jesus married 
goddesses. Jesus is married to goddesses and has children. And Mormonism also says the Garden of Eden is in Missouri. <laughs> Mormonism also originally, when it was first founded, uh, up until 1978, Mormonism was exceptionally racist. <laughs> Uh, Mormon, and I'm not just saying that like how the leftists and all of them use that term. I'm using it in the original sense. Mormonism taught right up until 1978, taught that the uh, black people could not go to heaven. The reason that their skin was black was because when in the great rebellion in heaven, that when Lucifer was kicked out and all of his, his angels aside with him were kicked out, they fell to the ground. As they were falling, they turned black because of all their sin and evil. And you know where the devils are because they're in the black people. That's what Joseph Smith taught. And that is what the original doctrines of Mormonism teaches. That if you have colored skin, you cannot go to heaven. Up until 1978, and they, they, they kind of stopped teaching that one because that was a problem. Just a little bit, right? Yeah. Mormonism is disgusting. Now, Mormonism says you must wear your special magic linen underwear uh, up until you die or you can't have your own planet. Uh, Mormonism says there are many gods throughout the universe. You can become a god of your own planet. And that Mormon women will be eternally giving birth to spirit babies to populate the planets. Joseph Smith practiced witchcraft, was arrested in 1826 for crystal ball gazing, was caught practicing necromancy in cemeteries. He contacted the spirits of dead relatives. He used stone scrying witchcraft to conjure and contact angels and spirits to teach him Mormonism. And an angel named Moroni appeared and taught him about the duality that Satan and God are equal, they're just opposites, but they're equal in power, they're just opposites, the inversion of the Trinity, that good and bad are equal powers, and that Satan is just misunderstood. Joseph Smith died in a gun battle with police on charges of murder, kidnapping, rape, and polygamy. He also was an adulterer, a liar, a witch, and a teacher of Luciferianism. That's Mormonism. But they're not going to tell you that. And we took a look at yesterday what the Bible says about Jesus. What is who says who Jesus is, what salvation is, what righteousness is, what sin is. And Mormonism is an extremely disgusting cult of blasphemy and heresy, inverting the Godhead, stripping the sovereignty away from Jesus Christ, making you equal to God that you can be as God, knowing the difference between good and evil. That's Mormonism. We take a look at another one. The Jehovah's Witnesses are quite an interesting cult. The, these, these individuals, and I do not have problems saying that Jehovah's Witnesses are practiced pathological liars. And I say that in all sincerity. They will, they, they without any remorse, any conviction, not a problem, will look you square in the eyes and boldface lie to you. They will deny vehemently their own beliefs to deceive you. 
Well, this well, their beliefs are written on, down on paper, doctrinal statement, statement of faith. This is what they believe, and they hold to that absolutely with all of their heart. But they'll deny it just to just to try to prove you wrong. Now, this cult of Jehovah's Witnesses, they're not witnesses of Jehovah. They're witnesses of their father, the devil, was created. This religion was created by a fellow named Charles Taze Russell. Charles Taze Russell, the founder of the Jehovah's Witness religion, was the founder and creator of the Watchtower Society in 1879. He died in 1916. Was conv convicted on fraud and libel in court of law. He concocted huge lying schemes of world travel to boost his reputation. He was caught in the lie. Charles Russell was convicted of lying in court of law, taken to court by Baptist pastor J.J. Ross in 1913, proving Charles Russell was not a theologian or scholar, had no education on dead languages or biblical accreditation. Charles Russell neither knew Greek or Latin or Hebrew even after saying in court under oath that he did. He had never taken a course in philosophy or theology. He was never ordained by any clergy, even though he said he was. He said his wife never did divorce him and that the court never ruled him to give alimony, which was proven false. The opposite was proven true in court. Thusly, Charles Russell was proved to be a premeditated perjurer and liar in court with no scruples of lying under oath and whose doctrines were based on no sound education or knowledge. Afterwards, he played the victim card whenever cornered and he would hide behind the veil of a martyr. He would play the murder card. He was titled a menace, a societal menace by the majority of churches in Canada and was consequently deported from Canada due to his hindrance of the mobilization for World War I. He was, he was opposed to governments, their laws, and the war. So you can see where this is going. Now, who is a, who's a liar? Who is the father of lies? Charles Taze Russell was, was convicted as a, as a premeditated pathological liar and perjurer in court. <laughs> These are his beliefs. Now, one of the main things that we see in the Jehovah's Witnesses cult, they say and teach that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. Now, we went over this in great detail yesterday, seeing, according to the Bible, who is Jesus? What did Jesus say? What did the prophets say? What did Jesus say? What did he teach? What did he prove? What did he do? And we saw how now by it's just undeniable, absolutely proven, absolute, according to the word of God, Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh. He took on him not the nature of angels, but of the seed of Abraham. He is not an angel. And by the way, that verse, he took not on him the nature of angels, but of the seed of Abraham. That verse is omitted in the Jehovah's Witness Bible, FYI. And we see in the book of Jude where Michael the archangel is even less powerful than the devil. So you got a bit of a problem. If your Jesus is less powerful than Satan, you kind of got a problem. But aside of that, Jehovah's Witnesses also say that Jesus Christ returned to the earth in 1914. But not in physical form. He was invisible. 
So how did they know? The scripture says that no man knows the day nor the hour. But the Jehovah's Witnesses Watchtower Society has predicted the arrival, the second coming of Christ, a number of times. Proving themselves to be false prophets by definition according to scripture. They also have in the Jehovah's Witness cult, now you're not supposed to know this. Only certain individuals within the Jehovah's Witness religion uh, who, are, who are seen and proven to be dependable and trustworthy in Jehovah's Witness religion that uh, other people are not supposed to know about this special event that Jehovah's Witnesses do and they will lie to your face denying it. They will deny it vehemently. But the Jehovah's Witnesses have a special event that they do from time to time when the Watchtower Society predicts the second coming of Christ. What they do is they, they all gather together Certain ones of them would gather together out in fields, out in the out in the country, away from society, and they will have what's called a scream at the sky event, where they believe that when they all gather together and at, at the set, a, a set agreed time, they all start screaming at the sky because they believe that will hurry up Jesus. And they've done this a few times. Um, and Jesus still hasn't come yet. They believe that in John chapter 1, it says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God. The Word, which is God, that became flesh and dwelt among us. They believe that the Word, those, those two, the Word in John 1, 1 and 14, is a God. That the Word is a God. Not the Word is God, but the Word is a God. They put the word, a, the little letter A in there. That the word is a God, that the beginning of the which is the beginning of the creation of Jehovah. Misunderstanding the Hebrew and Greek of the word Elohim and denying Isaiah 45 verses 5 to 6, which says there's no other God beside me, they say there are other gods. That Jesus is a God. They teach that Satan brought sin into the world in the Garden of Eden. But according to the Bible in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, it says sin came into the world by Adam's transgression. Adam's transgression. Not Satan's transgression. Sin came into the world by Adam's transgression. They say no, it came into the world by Satan. Now Jehovah's Witnesses, one of the main, main things that are their big issue that was started by Charles Taze Russell in the in the creation of all of this is they absolutely hate they absolutely detest the doctrine of hell they deny hell exists no you no it doesn't it doesn't exist that when you die you're dead as a dog you just someone switched the light up pulled the plug you just cease to exist you just go into nihilism nothingness you just cease to exist unless someone in your house if someone in your family is a jehovah's witness god will have mercy on the rest of the family a, a partial mercy that when they die they won't cease to exist they'll just kind of go into in uh, go into this nebulous waiting period where until the millennial reign of jesus uh, you will be resurrected for a thousand years 
and then you'll cease to exist after the thousand years. Where they get that, I have no idea. I have no idea where that comes from. That makes absolutely no sense. They made that one up. But they teach that. They believe hell is just the grave. Which I like to troll Jehovah's Witnesses with that one. I say, I ask them, so, um, okay, you know who Charles Taze Russell is, right? He was the founder of your religion. They're like, well, yeah, yeah, we know who Charles Russell is. I'm like, okay, what did you do with him when he died? What do you mean? When he died, what did you do with his body? He was buried. Oh, so you put him in hell. So Charles Russell in, is in hell. If, if hell is just a grave, then Charles Russell is in hell. <laughs> they don't like that. They believe hell is just the grave and that hell mentioned in the Bible is metaphorical and doesn't exist. Also known as the annihilation doctrine. The annihilation doctrine. They believe that you just cease to exist. That you just cease to exist. Denying the doctrine of Jesus in the Gospels regarding hell and the mentions in Revelations where hell is brought up and they are judged out of the books and cast in the lake of fire. They say that doesn't exist. It's all metaphorical. Jehovah's Witnesses say that souls are mortal. Souls are mortal and can be destroyed. And animals have souls, but mankind is special. Denying the eternal damnation and eternal life is mentioned in scripture. Eternal means having a beginning and exists forever. They, they don't believe that. They believe souls are mortal. And Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Christ is a created being. Christ is the spirit of the anointed one, the prophesied one. The, uh, the Christ is the spirit of the mighty God, everlasting father. And Isaiah 9, 6, the one whose ways have been of old, even of everlasting. Micah 5, 2. But they say, no, Christ is a created being. Michael, the archangel. They say Jesus is Michael, the archangel. Uh, no. They teach that salvation is by works. You need to maintain to earn your salvation and, and maintain to keep your salvation because you can lose your salvation as well. They say that, that the reason for this as well is the, is the more good works that you do will earn you a spot in heaven because according to the Jehovah's Witnesses, according to the Watchtower Society, according to that religion, <laughs> brace for it, According to the Jehovah's Witnesses, only 144,000 people will be allowed in heaven. And you have to earn a spot. And that if you're better than someone else who's gone on before, you can actually kick someone else out and take their place. It's a brownie point system. And it's only 140, only 144,000 tickets. you got to earn your spot in heaven. Yeah. Salvation is by works. Thusly, they deny the teaching of the word of God. That, as the Apostle Paul stated, it's not by works, not by righteous works. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. And it's not by the works of the law. They deny that. They say Apostle Paul is wrong in that. They say, no, it's by works. They deny worship of Jesus Christ. That Jehovah's Witnesses, they deny worship of Jesus Christ. You are not to worship Jesus. You only worship God. They say you. they do not worship Jesus. They teach against worshiping Jesus. 
even though the Bible flat out teaches worship of Jesus Christ, that Jesus accepted worship, Jesus invited worship, and that many people worshipped him. They say, no, that worship is, that's not, that's not, that, that's not worship, like we know worship of God. They were just revering him. They, they, it's just kind of like a veneration, but they weren't worshipping him. Uh-huh. So Catholics don't worship Mary, right? They just venerate her. Do you know that when you actually go and grab a dictionary and you look up the word veneration, do you know what the word veneration means? You know what it means to venerate? By definition. Well, the Oxford dictionaries and all the others, uh, Britannica, and look at all these different ones that, that describe words and stuff. You know what the word veneration means? Worship. <laughs> And here we get into get into some weird beliefs of the Jehovah's Witnesses that I even cringe talking about this one because this is so bad. I have trouble talking about this one. They blaspheme the Holy Ghost outright. I mean severely, severely blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Jehovah's Witnesses, according to their doctrines of their religion, Jehovah's Witnesses say that the Holy Spirit is just an energy force, a nebulous energy force of God. And those who believe that the Holy Spirit is a person are Satanists. You're a Satanist. If you believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. That is blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. The word of God is very clear. Very, very crystal clear. That when you go through the scriptures, you see the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is called He, His, He, Him, He. The pronoun he, it's a person. The spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God. The person, God. God is a spirit and his spirit, not his, not his nebulous mystic energies, his person, the spirit of God, the person of God. Is see Ephesians 3, 17, that Christ, Jesus Christ, the spirit of Christ lives in the heart of every believer. But they blaspheme the Holy Ghost and say you're, it's Satanism to say that the Holy Spirit is a person. Because they say it's just a nebulous energy force. That doesn't make you cringe. I don't know what will. So, when we take a look at some of these, and there's much more, but we're not going to go into it. That's sufficient. When we take a look at what they believe and what their founder is all about and what happened there, that, that Charles Taze Russell, pathological liar, no, com, no compulsion about it, no conviction, no morality in there. He has no problems twisting truth, preaching lies and heresies and blasphemies, de denying doctrinal truths of the scriptures, saying, yes, the Bible says that, but I don't believe that. And he teaches the complete opposite of it. 
and that this religion, this is what they hold to, this is what they teach. That by definition, according to the word of God, that it's a cult of heresy and blasphemy, teaching a false Christ, false doctrines, false gospel, deceiving people. It, it, it has, its gospel is a gospel of hell. That's the Jehovah's Witnesses. And that is just some of their beliefs. Now, we take a look at another one. Now, similarly to ma many other events that we see, uh, people saying that angels come to them and teach them things. Angels come to them and teach them things. Now, this happened yet again. In November 26, 1827, there was a lady that was born named Ellen Gould White. Ellen Gould White was uh, uh, became a famous author and an american quotation marks christian pioneer along with other sabbatarian adventist leaders such as joseph bates and her husband james white she was instrumental within a small group of early adventists who formed what became known as the seventh day adventist church now i have to admit that in my earlier years, uh, that I did not know the difference. I actually believed that Seventh-day Adventists were Christians. That they were just kind of a hyper strict sect. and uh, But they were Christians because when you talk to them, they use all the right lingo. And, and when, you, when you're talking with them, you actually would struggle to find pro fault and problem with them. Sure, they would have some weird ideas whenever, and they have church on Saturday, not Sunday, because apparently going to church on Sunday is the mark of the beast. <laughs> I'm going to pause there and let that one sink in. According to Seventh-day Adventists, going to church on Sunday is the mark of the beast. Even though the Bible says the mark of the beast is an actual etching in the flesh of, of, the, of the dude's name or the number of his name in your right hand or forehead. But no, according to them, going to church on Sunday is the mark of the beast. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> now, Ellen White has claimed to receive over 2,000 visions and dreams, which she believed came from God in public. She would have some of these experiences in public, and she would have some of the experiences in private meetings throughout her life, which are witnessed by Adventist pioneers and the general public. She verbally described them and published for public consumption the content of the alleged visions. The Adventist pioneers viewed these experiences as the biblical gift of prophecy, and they called her a prophetess. She is the prophetess of the Seventh-day Adventists, upheld in, in their religion at the uh, in level like the Pope is in Catholicism. She is like the Pope in the Seventh-day Adventists. What she says is the gospel truth. Now, she had many, many different weird, wacko beliefs, but how can we know? Because we've got to take a look at the person and their personal beliefs of gospel in the person of Jesus. Now, according to Ellen White, she says that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is the Christ, not a problem in that way, but then we start to see some other issues. Now, she believed in baptismal regeneration. That, that you are not saved, your sins are not washed away until you get dunked in water. That you got to believe in Jesus and be baptized 
to be saved. Now, in 1840, at age 12, her family became involved with what is, was known as the Millerite movement, a certain religious sect called the Millerites. The Millerites were the followers of the teachings of William Miller, who in 1833 first shared publicly his belief that the second advent of Jesus Christ would occur in roughly the year 1843 and 1844. Occult. She attended a cult. She believed in the doctrines of uh, this weird cult. She attended William Miller's lectures and she felt guilty for her sins and was filled with terror about being eternally lost. She describes herself as spending nights in tears and prayer and being in this condition for several months. And on June 26, 1842, she was baptized by John Hobart in Casco Bay in Portland, Maine, and eagerly awaited Jesus to come again. And he didn't. In her later years, she referred to this as the happiest time of her life. Her family's involvement with Millerism caused them to be disfellowshipped by the local Methodist church. <laughs> Who knew that the Methodists would have a com doctrinal compulsion? The SDA uphold and near venerate Ellen White's theories. Ellen White is recognized by the Seventh-day Adventist church as having received the gift of prophecy. And they started a religion based off of her teachings. As she was the preacher. What does the Bible say about women being pastors and deacons? She was the founder and the preacher, the teacher of the religion. Now, it, they see her written works. At, they uphold the writings of Ellen White as a continuing an authoritative source of truth which provide for the church comfort, guidance, instruction, and correction. You know what that means? Her writings are additional scripture. Her writings are additional scripture. According to their fundamental beliefs as listed on their website, Adventist.org. <laughs> 